This is a conversation with Pierre Morin. Uh, hi, Pierre. Hi, Serge. Good to be with you. Same here. So, uh, you started uh, your professional career as a medical doctor? Yes, uh, I'm originally from Switzerland. I now live in Portland, Oregon, but I grew up in Switzerland and uh, went to medical school. I worked there for about 15 years in different uh, areas of medicine, and then I moved to the United States because I uh, was interested in developing my skills around psychology and especially around health psychology and process work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so, um, so as you moved here, then you shifted to psychology. Yes. So I moved here and I did a, a PhD in health psychology, mm-hmm. and I started to study with Arnie Mindell, uh, who is the developer of process-oriented psychology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So... So we're having this conversation, um, uh, you know, we would have had it in any circumstance, but what prompted it maybe uh, was the publication of your book about, uh, you know, health psychology. Yes, so, you know, I've been very much interested in health from different perspectives. So first, obviously, as a medical doctor, I was interested in health from a physical perspective, and then I started looking at the psychological side of health uh, in terms of health psychology and how our own attitudes towards health is also influencing um, the way uh, we get better. And um, that also prompted me to uh, write a book which I call Health and Sickness, and sickness in health. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's an intriguing title. Do you want to maybe talk a little bit about what you mean by that, health and sickness, sickness and health? Yes. Uh, you know, when you think about health, there's a intuitive notion that we all have about health that... Uh, you know, when we feel well, when we are physically healthy, this is what we call health. And from a medical perspective, you can look at health from different uh, variables that you look at, looking at your blood pressure, you're looking at uh, your cholesterol levels or your sugar levels, and when they are normal, um, that uh, these are all aspects of health. And, but... I found out that health is much more a complex idea and a complex notion, and there there are aspects of health and sickness that we marginalize a lot. For example, let me give you an example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I was working a few weeks ago. I was working with a woman um, who is experiencing some. Uh, pretty serious health issues. She's having little strokes. So these little strokes are uh, really frightening her a lot. She's scared about developing a bigger stroke. The little stroke in themselves have not uh, much consequences because she's recovering uh, 
from them pretty well in between. But the danger is that she could develop a larger stroke with more consequences. So she decided to uh, call me and work on her symptom to find a way to um, look at it from a psychological level or to see if there was some meaning that she could find in the in her process. So the way so that just, I so just just um, you know interrupting for a moment. Um, so again, um, because we started saying that you were trained as a medical doctor, in this case you were not working medically. Uh, you were working in terms of the psychological meaning of these things, as opposed to trying to. Uh, deal with the medical symptom. Yes, exactly. She's asked me to help her to uh, work with her around her symptom from a psychological level. Obviously, when I, because I'm medically trained, I also um, make sure that she is in good medical care before I work with her uh, from a psychological point of view. I don't want to marginalize the medical side, and I always make sure that they have the right medical care that they need to treat uh, their symptom because these are serious symptoms. But in that case, she asked me to uh, work with her to look at her experience and to see if there's an aspect that could be meaningful for her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when I so when I work with someone like this, I always um, go into the experience of the symptom or the health issue they have. And um, she experienced the symptom for so the little stroke were for her um, when she had them, she would say she would experience them like uh, losing her mind. She had short moments where she totally lost her mind. She couldn't remember anything. She uh, didn't know who she was. She thought she felt a little dizzy, and there were short moments of an experience she then described as having almost like an empty mind, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which was what I then helped her to unfold and go deeper into that experience. And we went together into a journey into that empty mind space and discovered that she really was able in that space to really relax and find a detachment from her uh, ordinary life that she really needed in that time period she was in. So going into the experience and unfolding that experience and helping the person to go deeper into what the we see normally as a symptom can have very beneficial uh, information and beneficial effects actually for the person. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, um, in a way, one thing is it might have been easy to dismiss the mini-strokes as not important because they were not threatening, um, but what happened is um, you went into it and exploring it in terms of what the experience was, 
And that experience of losing her mind actually uh, is something that led from something threatening to actually something that was beneficial and she wanted to have, which was to have a little bit more distance on an ongoing basis. Yes, you know, she gained a deep insight into something that she was marginalizing at that time for herself. Mm-hmm. She was very much involved in the care of others, the care of an elderly mother, and wasn't taking care of herself. Right. And she needed kind of that space and detachment to find a creative place in herself that she could use to take care of herself. Yeah. And yeah. in a way, when we are dismissing our symptoms by just trying to get rid of them, I mean, I understand that, and that's normal, and we all do that, and we want to do that because we don't like to feel sick, and that's a good thing to do. But on the other hand, finding, getting into the experience and being curious about the experience and unfolding the experience can help us uh, discover something that could possibly be meaningful for us. Yeah, yeah. So there's some health in sickness, that's why I call this aspect of the work as finding the health that lies in sickness. Yeah, yeah, and so so in that sense that um, um, uh, the, the stroke itself, the mini strokes, uh, can be considered as symptoms because they were a sign of something deeper, an underlying cause that was not being paid attention to, and that underlying cause was her needing to take good, better care of herself. Yes, so you can look at it from a causal angle, but I, I prefer to look at it also more from a process perspective and see that there's a process in 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 that symptom that can be meaningful. There's an aspect to the symptom that that is not only uh, bad but can be uh, potentially uh, very informative for the person. And not that um, you don't need to take care of the physical aspect of the health issues and that you need to t- uh, go and, and do whatever is needed to to prevent further strokes and, and take care of them from, of them from a medical perspective also. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, as you mentioned, process, you know, and you've mentioned your training in process and the influence of uh, Arnie Mindell's work. So, as you you, you, you you talk about it in terms of process, do you want to maybe explain a little bit more of how uh, this symptom functions within a process model? Yes, so Arnie Mindell came up with this uh, idea that he called the dream body. And he was uh, looking, you know, he has a background in Jungian analytical psychology and was very much interested in night dreams, but was also interested in how dreams somehow appear in different ways. They can appear in, for example, body experiences. So there's a dreamlike quality that our body experiences have and that we can explore 
and unfold and look at to find that deeper meaning. Like we do uh, explore night dreams, we can explore body symptoms as dreamlike aspects of, of our processes. So that's what he called the dream body. Yeah. And that's very much what underlies this, my type of work. Yeah, yeah. So in other words, that sense that, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, symptoms, uh, express themselves in a variety of ways, not just in dreams. And that, uh, uh, what happens in the body, uh, if you, handle it in a way the same way you would handle a dream, then you can unfold it and get to to its meaning. I think that's really the new approach that Arnold Middell uh, developed was to look at body symptoms as something that can be explored, that can be unfolded like we do explore night dreams and discover the meaning that is in these uh, physical experiences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's where we're coming to that uh, health in sickness is that, uh, you know, sickness is also a gateway to exploring some of these meanings. Yes, I do. I, I really do believe that there's a uh, sickness in itself can be that gateway. And I always uh, recommend people to really fight the the symptoms and fight the sickness and, and try to cure them, but also to after fighting them also to follow the symptom itself and follow the experience and believe in the experience. So to do both, mm-hmm. not one or the other, but to do both. Yeah, yeah. And so, what about the other side of the title, the sickness in health? Now, this is also a very interesting aspect of uh, um, the the book I wrote, is that, you know, the way we treat health, if we look at health from this really one-sided perspective of uh, just the physical and trying to cure it, we really marginalize many people who are not as privileged as we are when we are healthy and have to deal with, uh, for example, chronic illness or disabilities. And uh, this cultural process of really uh, identifying health from a very narrow uh, perspective makes people sicker when when they are sick. And let me give you another example mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be uh, easier to understand. I was, I've been working with a young man who had a bike accident and he uh, hit his head and had a severe brain injury. So he was in coma for about, I think, four weeks and woke up and recovered quite uh, extraordinarily. So he's he's actually now in a pretty good uh, health state. Nevertheless, he has still some uh, consequences from um, 
the accident and from the brain injury, for example. His personality changed uh, to some degree. He's more impulsive than he was before. He has sometimes difficulties controlling his anger. And, um, and then he has also some minor physical limitations. Today, the most, his biggest issue today is that um, he himself, he feels healthy. He feels good about himself. He is uh, okay. He has recovered uh, from this injury. But he feels bad. He starts to feel bad about who he is when other people compare him with who he was before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So his family or his his wife of uh, the time when she just holds him to who he was before the accident, he starts to really feel, ba feel bad about himself. Mm -hmm. He's confronted with an aspect of uh, his older self and of uh, having to deny his feeling of being healthy now. And so that makes him sick. That's where he feels in the moment really the most uh, sickness, uh, the aspect of uh, feeling bad and feeling ill is when he has to compare himself with who he was before. Yeah, yeah. So so that sense of um, if he only consulted his experience of the present moment, he would describe himself as healthy. But when he compares it to a benchmark of what he was, then he's acutely aware of the shortcomings, and then he can no longer consider himself healthy. Yes. So, and this process happens with a lot of people who have to deal with uh, chronic health issues. Mm -hmm. Another example are people who, for example, um, suffer from what is uh, called Asperger's syndrome or ADHD. These are issues of diversity, or dif of differences, or different abilities, of different ways of being in the world, but they are then uh, thought to be uh, diseases or sicknesses or uh, disabilities, whereas when you have that experience yourself, you don't know that, it's, that there's something wrong. It's just a different experience. You are in your own experience. In, of your brain, of, of how you are in the world, but you are confronted by of being different and being sick by others telling you that the way you are in the world, the way you behave, or the way you uh, your brain works is different, is not the right way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah. there's an aspect, a cultural aspect of putting people in a in a different box of disability or chronic illness and there's which I, I do understand, I do also understand the validity of this but uh, I want to stress 
the aspect of diversity, that these are just different experiences and diverse experiences that we also can open up as a, as a community, uh, open up more to that diversity of experience. Right, right. So there, there is a benefit to, in a way, having norms to evaluate people, but there is also a heavy cost because instead of thinking in terms of diversity and people having their own experiences, then we evaluate the experiences based on that norm. Exactly, and we make, we add an additional dimension of suffering and pain to the actual um, disability or chronic illness. Mm-hmm. So we, as a culture, we put people in a in a in a marginalized position, and we add some pain and suffering to their experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so maybe also the something that happens in the process of aging and of people conceptualizing or dealing with their own aging, of either uh, feeling happy with who they are at the moment or comparing themselves and experiencing a sense of loss compared to, you know, uh, functioning how they were at age 20. Exactly, that happens with aging. It happens with every uh, aspect of our experience that changes over time. And we are only temporarily healthy, and we are only temporarily uh, young and able-bodied. We all have to go through the changes of uh, of life and through the uh, process of evolving and changing throughout our lifespan. And uh, but we have a tendency to hold on to this notion of. This, this limited notion of health that, uh, and, and then we add the suffering from losing, losing, uh, this aspect of health, whereas we can look at it as, as a change and an aspect of diversity that, uh, have their own meaning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, You know, of course, we even add another layer if we think of it in terms of mental health as well, because then we we start adding these kinds of criteria to uh, to the psychological dimension as well. Exactly, this is obviously a process that doesn't is not limited to physical health. It's very relevant also in behavioral health, in in uh, mental health, and uh, people who suffer from from these conditions will always experience this aspect of being stigmatized or marginalized and and somehow pushed aside. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I really advocate for a new attitude that is trying to look at these uh, processes not only as as diseases and uh, disabilities, but also as experiences of diversity and that can be also informative for us as a community. So, do you want to say a little bit more about that? Well, you know, for example, um, I, I, I have worked with people who have uh, suffered uh, or are suffering from ADHD 
and they are very much, um, you know, they often can't um, focus on one thing. They they jump from one topic to the other, or they very much go. Um, the, it's hard for them to concentrate and be linear in their thinking. On the other hand, um, they are very good in doing many things at the same time and being able to to do many projects and go from one thing to the other very quickly, move from, from one subject to the other. And um, so if you help them, uh, help them to appreciate that different ability that they have of uh, going very quickly from one subject or from one project to another and to see the the beauty and the uh, the value of such an, such a way of being in the world is uh, can help them very much and they many people then find also ways that they can uh, live with it in a in a very creative way but uh, and as a culture it we we have a tendency to think we should behave in a different in a in a very specific way that it's better to be uh, linear and and focused on one uh, project and we marginalize also the value of being able to jump and go quickly from one one um, a project to the others. For example, um, a person like this in a very crisis, in an extreme crisis situation or in an emergency room, for example, where you need that ability to really be be uh, in multiple places at the same time, um, you can see that certain aspects of that process can be very valuable in, in certain situations and that we as a culture can learn from them uh, how to be, instead of just judging that one behavior as being pathological mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. being wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that uh, in that sense, in these kinds of examples, health uh, is clearly something that's influenced by a social norm and um, then it's a very limiting thing because there's room in society for only one kind of person uh, right. and you you use the uh, the example in your book of the Procustus bed of you know trying to adjust everybody to uh, to the same size by cutting them down or or stretching them instead of you know taking them for who they are yes i i really like that uh myth, that old Greek myth of Procrustes, who, you know, in the Greek myth, he's an ogre, so he's a big, mean person who um, has this uh, inn where everybody has who wants to go to Athens has to stop at, at his inn, and overnight uh, Procrustes then comes and adjusts um, your body to the size, to the one size bed that he has in his inn, so he stretches you or cuts your limbs off for you to fit to the social norm of the bed that he has, and that allows you then to go uh, to Athens, which was at that time the center of uh, the dominant culture, and so it shows that this shows how we 
act almost like procrustes on an everyday basis. We do that to ourselves to fit social and cultural norms, which obviously is very valid and important because if we didn't do that, it would be very difficult for us to live as a community. Uh, you want to be able and you want people to stop at a red light uh, in a traffic uh, uh, in the traffic because if not you um, you would create some chaos and create more accidents but on the other hand we do cut off very meaningful aspects of ourselves that uh, that can be uh, important for us and important for us as a community also not just to to cut uh, blindly, but to be aware of what we are doing, and so to be open up to the awareness of what the value of, of these aspects that we are cutting off, and how can we bring them closer back into the um, discussion and the dialogue within communities. And yeah. Many people who, who suffer chronic illness and uh, and uh, Arnie Mindell, in a way, looked at, for example, at mental health. He called them city shadows, meaning that uh, people with extreme mental experiences also have some information, a shadow information for us as a community that might be valuable to open up to. So, for instance, you know, when we talk about, say, somebody who would be having extreme, a sense of extreme suffering, extreme pain, um, you know, and there seems to be no redeeming value, um, there is also something in it that's not just um, uh, pain is bad, and in that case there's nothing to be gained from it, and all you can do is you want to eliminate it. Of course, you still want to eliminate it, but there's also something there. Yes. It's, again, it's not a one or the other. It's uh, uh, trying to uh, improve the health and improve the health of people in the community, improve the health and improve people's uh, mental health also, but then also to see the value that is in the experience that people have and the value that we, that it can have for us, for all of us as a community. You know, when you can, a simple example, if you look at depression, depression is in itself a, you know, a severe uh, health issue and is very painful for people who uh, are afflicted by severe depression. But if you look at, uh, you can help them individually, but you also can look at the culture about what does depression or what does depression, um, how can that be meaningful for us as a community? And if you see the depression as being more inward, more uh, going inside, more being uh, slowing, slowing down, not uh, doing everything, not functioning in a in a in a very uh, 
factual and task-oriented way, it, you can see that there may be some some uh, meaning for us to look at, at at the way we we treat our lives as a community, how we live, uh, and how fast we live, and uh, that there might be some benefit to slowing down and to thinking and to learning from the experience of, of depression. And I don't want to um, be too positive about depression because I know how how severe that is and how painful that can be, but I want to just show that having a different attitude mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. these, these uh, processes can help us, can help the individual, but also can help us as a community. Yeah, yeah. So, no, you're very, very clear throughout this uh, conversation that you're not in any way minimizing the issues and you're very careful to point out that you talk about dealing with them, curing them, healing them, doing what it takes, whether it's medically or otherwise, to deal with it. But it's not one or the other. It's also that other side. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's really... And, you know, we are currently... In, in the process here in the United States of a big healthcare transformation, it's all about changing um, access to care and going from a sick care model to a truly healthcare model. And I really support all these um, uh, transformations. But I would love to, us also to see a, another inner transformation. Uh, not just the outer transformation, but an inner transformation about, about our own attitude towards health. And I call them developing a uh, notion of big health, which is um, what Fried, Friedrich Nietzsche, uh, the German philosopher, coined that term for himself, so he was including in, in the term of big health, he was including all aspects of illness and disease and aging that are uh, powerful. He called them fish hooks for awareness of opportunities for development and awareness. Mm-hmm. So if you see that the, all these... Um, difficult experiences that we as a community and as individuals are trying to uh, have a tendency to marginalize, but if we can include them in our notion of health and include them in this aspect of big health and see them as opportunities for learning, opportunities for growth, both as individuals and as communities. Yeah, and maybe that's where we come back to that concept of dream body because, uh, for instance, when you mention the role of depression, if you look at it at a social level, then depression is like society dreaming and having through the dream a sense of having to pay attention to to that aspect of how we function. You know, that speed, that not enough paying attention to the inner experience. And so that's the fish hook that draws us into what needs to be paid attention to. Exactly. I love that. I love that that uh, image that we as communities and as cultures and societies, we do dream and then aspects of, of our cultures and communities that we have a tendency to 
to marginalize and to put at the at the margins of of our societies may be opportunities for us to learn and to develop and uh, grow um, as communities. And they are not only uh, aspects of possible we need to cut away and we need to get rid of, but we can uh, open up to these and, and actually open up to listen to to people who go through these experiences and learn from them. Yeah, yeah. So as opposed to uh, treating them as um, uh, just just treating them as you know bad, ill, sick, damaged, but they carry the dream that society has of itself about what needs to be paid attention to. They're messengers. They're carriers. They're carriers of information that we. They may be carriers of that information that we cut off on an everyday basis, uh, like, uh, and in the way we act as prostrates. Mm-hmm. Maybe they carry that information that we lost and we had to cut off. So there could be messengers for us to to really open up to and 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 think about how we conduct our lives and how we conduct our. Uh, um, communities mm-hmm. and how we can how we can improve. So, so in a way, as I'm listening to you and putting together the metaphor of the big health and Procrustes bed, um, you know, in a way, that larger concept of big health that includes more than what we traditionally talk about as health, um, we put it through Procrustes bed and we cut off those people, those experiences, uh, you know, that we call sickness. But by cutting them off, we actually don't pay attention to them and miss that information. And when we actually reintegrate those parts that have been cut off, then we have access to big health. Exactly. We lose, I think that's the the big uh, maybe the main message of my book is that by marginalizing sickness as individuals by marginalizing uh, sick people as uh, communities we lose aspects very important aspects of uh, uh, of life and uh, by opening up to to these marginalized experiences we can learn and we can um, Benefit and, and and add diversity and add value to to our experiences as individuals and as communities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this feels like might be a good place to end. What do you think? I think that's a very positive vision and hope that I have uh, for this kind of health care transformation. And that would go parallel to the outer, uh, more structural transformation that we are uh, witnessing today. Thanks, Pierre. This recording is part of the podcast at relationalimplicit.com. And uh, by opening up to to these marginalized experiences, we can learn and we can um, benefit 
and 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 add diversity and add value to to our experiences as individuals and as communities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this feels like it might be a good place to end. What do you think? I think that's a very positive vision and hope that I have uh, for this kind of health care transformation and uh, that would go parallel to the other, uh, more structural transformation that we are uh, witnessing today. Thanks, Pierre. This recording is part of the Somatic Mindfulness and Relational Psychotherapy podcast. See the website relationalimplicit.com.